Yeah! You're tuned in to the Lone Star Lowdown, your favorite sports podcast where we're talking professional, college, and fantasy sports with your host, Ty Henderson, Shay Holt, and Corey Guidry. Well, uh, we're back with the Lone Star Lowdown. I'm Shay Holt. We're here with Ty Henderson, Corey Guidry, Cody Allen. We'll be checking in. Producer Cody Allen. We're at the new uh, the new studio setting up this week, uh, but uh, hopefully everything will go off without a hitch. On this week's episode, it is August second, twenty twenty two. You know, going to do gridiron gossip, NFC South breakdown, should have a full recap and predictions coming out of uh, you know the NFC South. Uh, Diamonds and Wood, our baseball segment. We're going to cover. All things trade deadline recap, talk Juan Soto and all the other moves uh, for the Astros and Yankees and whatnot. On the 40-acre dash, we're going to do a breakdown of the defensive line of the Texas Longhorns. And on sleepers and keepers, we're going to be doing quarterbacks and kickers. We'll also, of course, bring you uh, the fastest lap with Cody Allen and hopefully the 19th hole, which is our golf segment that we didn't quite get to last week, but we'll have extra content for this one so anyway i just want to remind all of y'all uh listening to this live and um around the world to follow us on instagram at at the lone star lowdown and on twitter at lone star ld and make sure to check out all of our video content on youtube uh so let's get right into it boys uh gridiron gossip uh, nfc south uh, what? Who do we want to start with? Uh, last year's division winner, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I think we got to start. Let's go worst to. Uh, I mean, best to worst, best to worst. All right. Well, Tampa Bay last year, thirteen and four. Uh, some key departures. Obviously, Rob Gronkowski to retirement, but they also lost O.J. Howard. They're going to be a bit depleted uh, at tight end this season. Also lost running back Ronald Jones, uh, safety Jordan Whitehead, uh, their punter Bradley Pinion, and uh, guard Alex Kappa. Uh, some key additions were what Julio Jones, late Russell. Edition. What's that? That's a late addition. Late addition. Yeah, no, we're we're up to date here on the Lone Star Lowdown yes, with our with our additions and our departures. I put some work. Well, I mean, uh, Ryan Jensen just uh, got injured. Their starting center. Oh, yeah. Training camp. I, I um, saw a couple months, maybe, right? Yeah. Let's see. Um, That's not to mention Marpet. He retired, right? Yes, Ali, Ali, Ali Marpet, Marpet retired. At the end of last year, the guard. I guess so. Yeah, I guess we, we aren't as comprehensive as I would have liked to be. <laughs> uh, Going to flow. But, um, but yeah, so they, lo- they lost some pieces from last season's team. Uh, but they brought in Julio Jones. They brought in Russell Gage. They brought in Kyle Rudolph. Um and they drafted a couple tight ends, uh, Coquif and Cade Otten, uh, in the draft. Uh, you know, and they also brought in Rashad White out of Arizona State in the third round as a running back. Um, y'all, y'all like any of these additions? Any of these uh, uh, stand out to you? Do you think any key pieces, irreplaceable pieces, are are missing from this roster this season? Um, I mean, the, the two offensive line pieces, one, the retirement and the injury this last week, uh, I think we'll see that. 
uh, early in the season with a new center, Tom Brady. I'm pretty. He's pretty particular about his centers. Usually, I'm pretty sure he makes them wear some weird towel like. Well, when you got ass. a guy like Brady who doesn't move, the center of the pocket's very valuable. You know, if you're getting pushed back up the middle. Well, I, I'm talking just from a under the center perspective. I think oh, he okay. likes he likes his center's ass to be a, feel a certain way. So it I'm might sure take some time to, to to get used to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the some of the additions. I'm, me and Corey have been going back and forth about this all week. But Julio Jones, let's I talk think, about it. I think he's washed. Um, he hasn't done anything the last two years. I know some injuries have played part in that, but he hasn't looked as explosive. Uh, and hasn't been able to create the separation he was in his, uh, earlier in his career. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to say that he's the same Julio. And when you say he's washed, it's like compared to his prime, certainly he's not as good. But He's washed compared to four years ago. Right, but his but he has such a room to fall to still be a, a you know worthy NFL player. Like, when you're looking at – because the argument that we had was I thought the Cowboys should have brought him in because, I mean, just look at what happened in training camp. James Washington breaks his foot. Now we're looking at running out CeeDee Lamb and either two rookies to start or Noah Brown who's never got a touchdown in the NFL. So, I mean, that's just – that scares okay. me a lot. And I wouldn't mind – you know, we have the cap space. I know we're going off on the Cowboys, but no, – Yeah, let's get, stick to the stick – to the, we'll talk about that all later. Right, all right, fair enough. No, but I'm I – This mean, is an addition – So you just wish made. the Cowboys got Julio Jones yes, is what I'm hearing. Well, the point is this is the type of additions that good teams make that really help them. You look last year with the Rams acquiring Odell really helped them in that home stretch of the season – you know, weapons are king in today's league. I think Odell is – he's a lot younger, and he's a better player than Julio is right now, and he was yes, last year. But Julio is certainly serviceable. He's we'll find out this year he wasn't last year. Hey, man, he last year people were talking about him and A.J. Brown being, like, the best receiving combo in the NFL. They, the they were going to have some sort of next-level offense with Derrick Henry running the ball and just these two incredible outside threats, and, and it didn't work out. You know, it didn't work out. Yeah, and, I mean, they had Ryan Tannehill throwing him the ball, and I don't think he's a very competent quarterback, despite what some stats might mislead you to believe. But, yeah, I don't think Julio's washed, man. I think uh, I think he'll find his place in the Tampa Bay so, offense. So you're blaming last year on Ryan Tannehill? Well, he was injured, and too. He also well. got injured, yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, also the injury to Derrick Henry didn't help. I mean... A.J. Brown was hurt, too, for a little bit. But. Yeah, it, it just... I mean, the fact that the Titans... Got the one seed in the bye week in the AFC was really, really rather impressive considering all they went through. Uh, but it had nothing to do with uh, all they, those skill position players. They, I think they set the record for uh, most like players that were active on the roster at one point during the season, like in a year. I think they had like a hundred and something people that were active, or maybe not a hundred, but it was that's a lot. I guess that's when you play in the AFC South, you know. No, but it's it was. Right here. Yeah, yeah, just like talk right, right, right into all it. All right, got you, got you, got you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's they. So they had. I mean, we can look up that number. Cody, can you give me that number? Um, the I want I want to know how many active players played on. Uh, who was it? Tennessee. Tennessee Titans last year. Well, ultimately, you're just. I I think this is just a, uh, uh, shouting out Vrabel and a good job he's done in Tennessee to uh you know. Uh, build build sustained success at least in the short term. Speaking of coaches, though, new coach in Tampa Bay who are um, 
No more Bruce Arians. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. Ah, that feels weird. It does. Bowles, defensive guy, just going to let Brady have the keys to the offense he must, completely. I mean, how much do we give uh, Arians credit for that, that offense, though? You know, or is it just all Tom? I mean, the offense was good with Jameis before he got there. Just Jameis threw 30 interceptions. He did. <laughs> he threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. And like 5,000 yards, too. Shout out, Jameis. Oh, yeah. Um, so. Tennessee Titans last season broke the record for most players used. That's what Damn. I was saying. How many was it? Um, 82 different players. And, hey, Cody, you got a mic right there, just so you know. 82 different, 82 different players. Oh, oh yeah. 82 yeah. different players uh, in one we, we are, we are just <laughs> the, the in-home studio <laughs> is good. I think it's gonna definitely going to be more of a, a – uh, like, just more of a uh, – yeah, you might hear Cody in the background there, but uh, it's more homey vibe, or more. Uh, we'll get it dialed in. We'll get it dialed. Late in. night chat on the couch. Yeah, we'll get it dialed in. <laughs> yeah, I think this we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it ironed out. Um, so yeah, back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, do y'all think that they're gonna be able to run the ball effectively this season? Losing Ronald Jones, they've got an overweight Leonard Fournette on the roster, and they're bringing in Rashad White. Oh, Ronald Jones is gone. That's what I said. Oh, Ronald okay. Jones is gone. They've got an overweight Leonard Fournette, and they've brought in Rashad White. Yeah, uh, well, State. really, Ronald Jones was in the doghouse last year, wasn't he? He didn't really do much. Uh, Leonard Fournette being overweight, that doesn't worry me that much. Um, it, it's not the first time it's happened in his career. It happened in Jacksonville as well. They were kind of tired of him. I think that's why they got rid of him or didn't pay him at the end of the day. Um you know, it's going to come down to their offensive line. Last year, they led the league in passing attempts. Brady threw 700-plus times. I could see him doing that again at 44. Um, yeah, I don't know. Total right now is at 11.5. Vegas has it at. Um, where you guys stand on that? What are you thinking? Oh, I'm taking the over. I don't think they're going to have a significant uh, fall off unless injuries really hit them hard. And... Um, I think they've reloaded the offense. I think Russell Gage is an underrated wide receiver that they picked up. And I think Kyle Rudolph might have a little bit left in the tank, especially playing with a guy like Tom Brady. I think the offense won't miss a beat. I actually think this Rashad White guy could be uh, could be a great addition. And, uh, yeah, Fournette, uh, he was a big reason why they won that Super Bowl. Um, he was awesome last year. It, well, yeah, but in the playoffs two seasons ago. Playoff Lenny? Uh, yeah, he he really took it to another level and uh, had a, had a lot to do with them having postseason success. So I don't think the offense is going to slow down. I do expect a lot of pass attempts. Um, I expect Brady. You know, he's the greatest ever, to, as always, to have a high level of efficiency, and they're going to win some games just being more experienced. I think Todd Bowles. I like his um, defensive scheme. I've I've. That, that was really one of the big things. I think that's one of the things that brought Brady in was the fact that they had built such a great defense, the best rush defense in all of football um, the year prior to him coming there. That was, you know, so that was one of the things that got him in, and, uh, you know, that was, that was Todd Bowles' defense. Uh, the defense should be good again, don't you think? I mean, I think they're pretty the, much reloaded. I, everybody I think they'll think. lean on the defense, if anything. I think this is the year that Brady takes a step back. Uh, I got under 11 and a half. Um, that's what's that's what's at, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what it's at. What do you make of him retiring and coming out? Like, what do you make of that? Is there any? Well, was he actually mentally retired? Like, what what do you? No, make that, of that that was a whole that was a whole thing to get to Miami. That wasn't about him retiring. 
Yeah. I, then that's kind of what. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, we can get to it right now just because it's so pertinent. Uh, just today, the NFL released their findings as far as uh, the tampering that the Miami and their their owner was hit with. They are suspended. They suspended the owner from like all basically league activities for a season, and uh, penalized them a first and a third rounder in next year's draft. Some very there's no way they have a first rounder in next year's draft though. So it's probably the next one it, that they have available. It, yeah, it might be the next one if they if they traded it to Kansas City in the Tyreek Hill deal. I'm not. Uh, I would have to really go on a deep dive into that. But ultimately, yeah, they found tampering to uh, you know the whole situation with not just Brady but also Sean Payton uh, trying to get players to you know cut deals before they were free of their current contracts, offering them whatever you know ownership, uh, upper management jobs for Brady. Um, in the future, but yeah, they got hit with it, and um, yeah, so the Miami Dolphins are hurting right now. Um, but you know, uh, Brady that the whole Brady retirement thing, yeah, it might have been a ruse. It all seemed really odd coming out, you know, in that NFC divisional game against the Rams when Troy Aikman just ba- just just kind of put it out there that this could be Brady's last game when. Really, nobody expected that. Oh, I mean, they, he had to say that, though. He's He was four, 44 years old at the time. Yeah, but, I mean, he had just won a Super Bowl the last season, Was had an MVP caliber year last year, and, you know, just, just kind of threw it out there when nobody else was talking oh. about it. That's the way there I was, felt. That's the way I felt. There's people talking about it. There's always people That's talking about it. always a storyline going into playoffs. Like, or going into every season at this point, it's will this be the I, last year. I'm just saying he was talking like he, he knew it was going to be kind of thing. Uh, okay. Well, it, I don't think Brady's one of those guys that's going to have a farewell tour either. I think he'll he'll do it kind of like how it happened this last offseason where it's just random. Um, I don't. There's not going to be a Coach K – two-year or he's making, waving at the crowd making you know? every home stadium like cheer for you which i don't think do you do y'all think if brady did something like that that at away games fans would clap for him and cheer him i don't know football every football game is so important and competitive like i just find it hard to believe that they would i've never even have we ever seen anything like that in the nfl roethlisberger just did that i don't feel like anyone was like celebrating him too hard were they I mean, uh, Brady's center just got hurt in training. Camp. <laughs> we were, <laughs> were y'all talking about? You that? were, you were off. Uh, we got that. Dealing with some stuff, but yeah. But um, I mean, yeah, you kind of see it. I mean, Peyton Manning didn't really do that. Uh, you know, he just kind of retired well, from the Super Bowl. Ray Lewis did that shit. Yeah, that worked for him. That he won a Super Bowl. I, that, that that's one of my favorite teams ever. That that Raiders or Raven Super when, Bowl when team he came out with and Joe said, Flacco and this will be my final ride at the press conference. Yeah, and then that Madden came out. That intro remember I showed you all oh, that, yeah, that yeah, Madden yeah. intro. That's like they said I was too small. But <laughs> it's like no, they didn't. You were a first round pick, dude. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? You went to Miami and you were a first round pick. But uh. <laughs> all right, so uh, everybody, I I took the over on Tampa. Ty, you took the under. Uh, Corey, what do you got? Over under 11 You know, I mean, if half. Brady stays healthy, it's hard for me to see them not winning over 11 games. Um, barring injury, I'll take the over. Barring injury to Brady. All righty, then. All right, well, uh, let's, I, y'all want to do uh, New Orleans Saints? Yes, New Orleans Saints, 9-8 and eight last year. 3-2-1. Barely missed the playoffs. Uh, they lost 
old Jabu Jameis Winston um, to a torn ACL, I believe. Um, yeah. They've had some key departures. I'm going to go through them real quick. Uh, this one's got to be big. Mr. Blake Bortles. <laughs> they lost him. Simi- Trevor Simeon. Was really, is that really the first thing you put on there? It is. I'm just reading Shay's <laughs> list. Well, you got to know that they're, they're fucking short at quarterback. <laughs> Dude, Blake Bortles on a depth chart at the quarterback position, at the, in the number two position, any team should take So that. why isn't he on the team right now? Because, I don't know. League doesn't know, <laughs> how, to, they obviously league don't doesn't know how to operate, man. Or Blake Bortles, hey. I don't know if he's lost his drive. I'm he did, sorry. He did have a 4,000-yard start. Season. He has started. Should have been in the Super Bowl. Jaguars got fucked in that If in that I'm AFC a head coach game. and I need a backup quarterback, I'm calling Blake Bortles. I think he's a fine backup as well. All uh, right. This isn't about Blake Bortles, though. So, um, little Jordan Humphrey, they also lost him. Hook'em Horns, by the way. Um, most of these guys, you know, aren't really notable. Teron Armstead is as well. Quan Alexander, that's two good players. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins retired. They lost free safety Marcus Williams to the Ravens. Um, now, they added – Andy Dalton. That no, that's a good backup quarterback. Yeah, I guess. I guess if you. <laughs> hey, if you're gonna talk, talking to Mike. It's too late now. Continue, Corey. Um. Anyway, um. Let's see. They added Jarvis Landry, uh, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May. Two good uh, safety players right there. Um. And Daniel Sorensen. Daniel Sorensen, yes, good uh, uh, special teams guy, longtime Kansas City Chief. Um. Notable draft picks. They had two first-round picks. They traded up in the first round to take Ohio State wide receiver Chris Olave, and they took the mean Trevor Penning, who I don't know if you got offensive yeah. tackle. I don't know if you guys watch this guy. He is a he plays till about half a second after the whistle. He's one of those guys. He's already been in a few camp scuffles, but yeah. So um, they lost Sean Payton, obviously. Sean Payton retired. Dennis Allen, similar to the Bucks, actually the defensive coordinator stepping up and uh, taking the head coaching role. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys think about the New Orleans Saints this year? Vegas has their win total right now at eight. So, yeah, what do you think about uh, the old team down in New Orleans? Well, I definitely think they're they're better than eight wins. So I'm, I'll start off my prediction with just hitting the over right there because that, that's – of all the totals we've seen in the past two weeks, that is definitely one of the uh, easy money ones for any betters out there. But going on the additions, it looks like they went, they went pretty heavy – on overhauling their safety position this offseason. Uh, old Jeff Heath, losing him. I used to call hey. him X-Factor Jeff Heath because uh, he, he would come out of nowhere in Cowboys games and he'd make an interception, but he did suck. Uh, Tyron Matthew, getting old. We talked about him last week with the, leaving the Chiefs. I, I, I mean, maybe a homecoming revigorates him somehow, um, but I don't see him making a like Pro Bowl caliber impact on this defense uh marcus may he's been a good player for the jets uh i think that's a big addition and daniel sorison kind of another jeff heath guy if you if you if you ask me and that's just not because they're white 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 guys white safeties but uh they they both make that clutch interception but they're known that to clutch get, tackle on punt team or whatever you need yeah to do. but they're also known for getting burned at least once a game for it i don't think we'll see him playing much on defense but um uh, yes yeah. Yeah, but having Andy Dalton uh, as a backup to Jameis Winston, who's was hurt last year, has been you know shaky in the past. Uh, I think that was a good move by the front office drafting Chris Olave uh, to kind of be there in case Michael Thomas when he is back now, but in case he's not the guy that was the last time he played two years ago, twenty nineteen. Yeah, crazy. 
Trevor Trevor Penning, I like him uh, to replace Armstead. Uh, but yeah, Dennis Allen didn't go too well uh, last time for that old poor Aggie uh, up and. And He's an Aggie. Yeah. Oh, it all makes sense now. Hearst, Texas. Um, but yeah, he he was the head coach of the Raiders for a while, and Dennis a- Dennis Allen. Yeah. Oh goodness. Um, and I I what he probably won like five um, games. Yeah, and I oh my gosh, he was terrible. I don't know. He didn't win a lot. All I know is we were winning. Honestly, it was crazy with Jason Campbell and Hugh Jackson. Is that his name? <laughs> I already forgot his name. Coach for the Browns. Yeah, yeah, Hugh Jackson. Um, they went eight and eight. Now remember that like it was crazy. That was a that great was year. Following Jamarcus Russell, so that was a fucking awesome year. Oh hell yeah! And uh, uh, yeah, but anyway, it didn't pan out. Uh, beyond that, I I, I expect them to may- maybe be a ten win team. One off one and w- improve one game from last year with Jameis Winston being back and not having to start Ian Book and whoever the hell Trevor Simeon, whoever else else they started last year. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got a lot of offensive talent, man. They've got Jarvis Landry. They bringing in Chris Olave. You know, we'll see if he pans out. Obviously, we got to see about Michael Thomas. That's three really good receivers if they all work out. That's Alvin, what I'm seeing too. Alvin Kamara. They they used him incorrectly last year. He ran the ball more than he ever has in uh, in any given season, and he and it wasn't really effective. He's not. I mean, he's a great running back, but you he's never had a 1,000-yard rushing season, okay? And I think bringing in a guy like Malcolm Brown, uh, you know, another Longhorn, that might help him out having that thunder and lightning combo, somebody who can run between the tackles and just, you know, keep Alvin Kamara's load and his usage down while still exploiting him in the pass game. The, the season's going to live and die by the quarterback play. I don't know if that's going to be Jameis. I don't know if that's going to be Dalton. It's really a great situation, I think, for like some aging quarterback to come in and have a great season. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't seem like it's gonna happen. What uh, What do you think, Jabu MVP odds? Would Would you be be a bad man on that? Is it plus ten thousand for Jamie's? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if he could just keep those interception, if if he could keep those interceptions under fifteen. Throw for five thousand yards, hit forty-five touchdowns, Jeez. and the Saints could win twelve games. Then, yeah, I think uh, he could win a I fucking MVP. I can see MVP. that happening. I mean, he's got the uh, ability. Uh, it's just, it's just the turnovers, really, and uh, the consistent play he and was the having, wins. He was having a good, great. He started the year off last year with five touchdowns in week one. Oh yeah, it was like one hundred and sixty-seven yards passing, but he had five touchdowns. I, I drafted him in our fantasy league and started him because I was. And and I was fucked after that because I didn't have a quarterback and I waited so long because I knew no one was going to take Jamie's, as you say. Um, but, I, yeah, I expect big things out of him, but continue. No, yeah, I'm just saying that I think this season's going to live and die by the quarterback play. Uh, I think it's it's uh, got plenty of offensive talent. Uh, the defense has played well in, uh, you know, previous seasons. Uh, Dennis Allen getting the nod, uh, you know, after 12 years, 12 years in that system under Peyton, uh, finally got moved up. To be the head coach, I guess he's getting a second go since uh, I didn't, I forgot he was had been a Raider, but um, you know, they always play within the division well. I think they could push for a wild card. I don't think they're, I think they could beat the Buccaneers. They always give the Buccaneers trouble, but I don't see them winning this division. Possibly slipping into one of those wild cards, uh, and um, yeah, you know, eight is an interesting number. I. 
want to say they're going to win more though. Uh, they were nine and eight last season, a year where yes, Jameis was done was down. I think they've added more than they've lost, and with Jar with uh, Jameis coming back, I think they Michael could win. Michael Thomas that. back too. One thing, uh, one thing exactly. we one thing we haven't touched on though is Alvin Kamara is possibly going to be suspended this year for beating the shit out of that guy outside of that bar. Um, well, that's why they got Malcolm Brown. Then. Yeah, his his court date's coming up in late September, so it looks like he's on track to play week one. It might just be one of those things where the he appeals. Yeah, that he appeals and it gets pushed off to next year. Um, that's relevant for fantasy the old, purposes. The old Ezekiel Elliott. Or yeah, they hit him at like week ten. Well, that sucked for us. Yeah, but. with no. Ev- yeah, <laughs> no way. Let's not go on <laughs> another Cowboys tangent here. Videos <laughs> got got buried. Yeah, you got the over under, Corey. You know, the bottom. I could see Carolina beating the Saints. I, I'm going to take the under. You know, I think especially if uh, Kamara gets suspended, I think they're really going to hurt with the loss of Sean Payton. I think their defense is really good when Dennis Allen is focusing on defense. But we see a lot with defensive coordinators when they become the head coach and really have to focus on the whole team and not the defense. Dan Quinn would be a great example of this. The defense suffers as a whole when they're moving to the head coach role and just focusing on the whole team. So. For those reasons, I'm going to take the under or at least a push there with the Saints at uh, eight, eight games. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, last year they were 7-10. and 10. Some key departures from this season. Uh, Matt Ryan uh, traded to the Colts. That was probably their biggest loss. They're also going to be missing Calvin Ridley, suspended a whole 17 games for gambling in the offseason, or actually during the season. They also lost Russell Gage, Mike Davis, the running back. Um, let's see here. Uh, Dante Fowler, Hayden Hurst, uh, a couple backup quarterbacks as well, and AJ McCarron and Josh Rosen. Um, any uh, any other big departures? Thomas Morstead, yeah, retired old SME Mustang. Uh, I think he went to the Dolphins. Oh, did he? I don't know. I might have conflicting information, but I think he might have been to the Dolphins. Um, but yeah, they they ultimately uh, lost some pieces there. Um. Full rebuild mode, I think, for them at this point. You think so? They yeah. add, they were able to add Marcus Mariota, who's a good scab quarterback, and um, you know Jermaine Fetty, a good guard at A and M. You know, I I don't see uh, Bradley Pinion. That Nick, was Nick Kwiatkowski. Yeah, yeah. They they you know they had some minor uh, additions. Damian Williams at running back. Uh, you well, know, Drake London in the draft, the first receiver off the board. Yeah, no, uh, that that's really what I was going to get to. He looks real good. And Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, um, he was one of the higher-rated quarterbacks in this year's draft that wasn't necessarily quarterback heavy, but still, they got him at a bargain in the third round. Uh, but what what do y'all think about this team? Are they are the is it a total rebuild? And what will life be? At, what will life be like for Falcons fans in the shadow of Matt Ryan? I think you're going to have a few down years um I don't think Marcus Mariota is going to be a long-term answer and it's funny because they draft Desmond Ritter who a lot of draft pundits and experts actually compared to Marcus Mariota when you look at their games it's it's somewhat similar um so yeah I, I think he's going to get a chance to play this season um I wouldn't be su- they're over what, under injury I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just throw him in there if, if they're losing I mean what do you have to lose if you're if you wait, if you look up and you're two I mean, and six, two and seven, I mean, what's the point of keep playing a guy? You know, you might as well get your young guy in there and get him some experience. You think they're gonna be that bad? 
They, they, they got a good coach. I forget his name. What's his name? Arthur Smith. Yeah, I think Titans. I think they're going to be bad. I think people really underestimate Matt Ryan and how good of a player he is, and I think people are going to see that. You know, former league MVP. I think people are going to see that uh, when he gets to Indianapolis. Um, yeah. Until, until Sammy takes that job. I mean, Vegas, Vegas, agree. Vegas would agree with me a little bit when you look at the line. Uh, their over unders at five wins, which is too lower than their total last year. That's a pretty low number. It's one of the lowest in the league. Um, Maddie, no ice in that Super Bowl. Sorry. Yeah, and I mean Matt Ryan and um, uh, Calvin Ridley being gone. I think that is a, a, I think that is a two game loss. You know, those are those are the, probably their two best players, especially on offense. Well, Calvin Ridley didn't play last year. Well, he, he played a little bit. No, he didn't. He was out for mental health issues all year. He I got think he started the year though. He played about two two or three games. Cody. We get a fact checked on how many games did Calvin Ridley play in last yeah, year. Yeah, give me thirty seconds. And they also had Russell Gage, uh, and he's gone now too. Well, here's what I'm seeing from this offense. I think this year they're going to take a year off to kind of you know maybe maybe suck in the draft, try to get a high quarterback. Uh, I've got really no idea, but they re-signed Cordell Patterson. They re-signed Jake Matthews, their tackle. Um, they've got Calvin Ridley coming back next year. They've got Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, a great young tight end in the works. And then they've got this Drake London guy. And, like, so depending on what the quarterback market looks like next year, they could potentially bring a guy in or get somebody early in the draft if they're just terrible. And I think that maybe not this year, but the year following could have a really dynamic offense. I think uh, we're going to see a lot of teams in the sweepstakes for the Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, depending on how they play this year, of course, in the college football season. And not just that, man. The new model is build the team and recruit the quarterback. You don't even have to fuck. It's more like the NBA Exactly. Just look at what Tampa Bay did. Just look at uh, what Los Angeles did. Los Los Angeles did. Um, Could Aaron Rodgers be moving teams? Exactly. A guy like that. Russell Wilson. Can you bring him in? Yeah. Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, where they built a team with receivers and running backs and you know just whatnot. Just building the team and then just bringing in this quarterback either through free agency or through some big time trade and just doing it that way. I'm really really excited to see. Really excited to see Jared Judy get utilized by Russell Wilson. I think that's good. Like, I hate to say it as a Raiders fan, but I'm excited to see that matchup. Um, but getting back to you, Calvin <laughs> Ridley, five games, 31 receptions, 281 yards, average of 9.1 per reception. Right so five games. Five games. He didn't He didn't get much. Yeah. Well, you know, he got that's about a third. than I thought. A little bit, of th- little bit less than a third of a year. Y'all got me. But um, either way, I think Roasted. that going forward, they you know, especially if this Drake London guy works out and he was the first receiver off the board. Yeah. Then I mean, yeah, if if I mean shit, uh him and Calvin Ridley and uh we've seen a pretty good progression between from Roddy White to Julio Jones to Calvin Ridley and now Drake London. We've and uh the little, the you can throw the Pitts in there. I mean, he's basically a pass catcher, receiver. Well, no, what I'm talking about more is just the it progression of Atlanta being able to always have one of the elite wide receivers in football since Roddy White. I don't know if y'all remember yeah, him. Yeah, no, oh, he, he was so good. With, yeah. He was good, good with, with Julio Jones for a long time. Oh, yeah. exactly. And um, so I just think they do it who, well who, there. Who was the third guy they had? Uh, what year would that have been, like – Roddy White would have been big back in like the early 2010s. Yeah, 2013, 2010. Really 12. good fantasy player. Oh yeah, you know, he, he was getting every three weeks he'd get you like an 80 yard 
touchdown. Yeah, no, Roddy White was awesome. Uh, and beyond the point. Um, but, yeah, they re-signed uh, Jake Matthews, um, you know, Matthews' kid. You know, they've committed to him is what I'm saying. Oh, they definitely had Tony Gonzalez, too. Roddy Wright, Tony Gonzalez, and Julio Jones all at the same time. Oh, yeah, they were That's great. Awesome. And with Matt Ryan, man, I mean, I'm not sure if all – I don't know that Roddy White was on the Super Bowl team, but uh, they had some good teams this last decade. Matt Ryan, you know, he's going to be forgotten about – because uh, he never won that Super Bowl, but a really good quarterback from this last generation. We'll see what he can do in Indianapolis. Um, I'm taking uh, five wins. I'm taking the under. I think they're they're not going to find consistent quarterback play, and uh, they're looking at about three. I think they're going to probably try to suck for a quarterback. What about y'all? Yeah, I got the under. Uh, I got the under as well. All right. All right, let's move on. Um, Carolina Panthers, final team in the, in the NFC South, 5-12 and 12 last year. Key departures for them, obviously Cam Newton, who came back for a last hoorah with his uh with his alma mater there. I can't, I don't see too many other key departures. AJ Boye, Stephon Gilmore, um, once upon a time was a really elite player, but additions, and this is where we're probably going to spend most of this segment talking about. Baker Mayfield is now a member of the Carolina Panthers. Um, yeah, what do you what do you make of the whole quarterback situation there? Obviously, Sam Darnold started off hot last year, uh, got him off to three and zero, but they also played like quite literally the worst teams in football in those first three games. So, um, yeah, do you expect Baker to be starter week one? Do you expect him to take over midway through the season? How do you expect this to play out? You know, I'm not sure, man. And remember, they also brought in Matt Corral from Ole Miss in the third round, who you know is in that mix for sure because you know. Neither Baker Mayfield nor uh, Sam Darnold has really taken the reins there in Carolina, from what I've heard. Uh, you know, they've got McCaffrey, they've got DJ Moore, so some some decent weapons. Uh, obviously, the offense is going to be built around McCaffrey. Uh, the success of the season will hinge on if he can stay healthy. Um, I don't know who who Matt Rule will go with. He liked Sam Darnold. He put a lot of faith in him. But ultimately, it didn't work out. And, man, uh, that coaching seat is really hot right now. It's on fire, isn't it? And they did – they you know, they brought in Baker Mayfield to be a scab to try to get – you know, uh, they went 5-12 and 12 last year. They're trying to – they need a at least eight-win season, I think, to save Matt Rule's job. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, what he's willing to do. Uh, to get to those to get those wins. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think Baker Mayfield. I think he's a bit more talented than Sam Darnold. Though Sam Darnold's never really been in a great situation. Baker Mayfield greatly benefited in Cleveland from the fact that he could run that that they were great running backs behind him that could great carry defense. a load of that offense. Good defensive player as well. Uh, and uh, you know, and he always also always had uh, receiving weapons as well. Whether it was Odell Beckham Jr., we don't need to get into the whole controversy there. Uh, whether it was Jarvis Landry, who was a great receiver out that way, and they also in the last couple of years had two to three really quality tight ends. I look at this Carolina Panthers team, even with uh, one single piece in Christian McCaffrey that might be the most dynamic player in the NFL. I don't see the overall offense as being better uh, or more suited for a what I'll call an average quarterback. Um, that being said, yeah, I imagine Baker Mayfield uh, will start the majority of this season. Um, 
I just uh, I just don't know how well it's going to go. It'll depend a lot on the uh, health of the squad. And, um, yeah, you know. and digging into that a little bit, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he's played 10 games out of the last 33. Um, yeah. I'm just, like, looking at – I just Googled his name and started digging into some news just about him. This one site puts him at a chance of injury at 84% in the season and just blasts him because – Just I mean, to get injured at any point, miss a game. Yeah, yeah, 84%. Yeah, most running backs are going to miss a yeah, game they, anyway, they project him to miss at least two games. Another thing to keep in mind with this team is Carolina has a relatively new owner, and um, the talk around the league is this guy's really – Spender. Oh, he's a spender, and he's really hungry to win. And I think we can all agree if – Matt Rule's not going to win eight games or more this year. He's probably gone, and they're going to – I could see him moving on from Christian McCaffrey if they can find someone willing to take on that contract and they just go into full rebuild mode or they go to the path, kind of like we talked about with the Falcons, load up all the weapons and try to court some veteran uh, quarterback there. But I don't think the answer is there. Um, as much as I'd like to believe in the Texas guy, Baker Mayfield, um, I think he is just a serviceable quarterback at best. And I think we'll see that this year. He's going to be playing on a worse roster overall than he did in Cleveland. Um, but he could prove me wrong, and you know I'd like to see it. Um, Ty, what you got on the old Panthers? Uh, I could see them getting potentially the first pick next year. They're they're under. I don't know how they have projected to win another game. Uh, it's probably the Baker ad. Uh, I don't see him making it playing more than six games this year, um, either be it by getting benched or hurt. Um, it, I just, I, these additions, I, I know a lot of these guys, you know, Damian Wilson and Xavier Woods, both played for the Cowboys, uh, Zilstra, uh, Colbert, all these guys, they, they've, they're kind of at the end of the road. They've, they've had their, their time in the NFL. They none of these players have quite been starters. Um, this is a team that started off hot last year and I mean, bombed in the stretch. I'd, I really – I'd see them win probably winning three games this they year. They lost 12 out of their last 14 games. Yeah, yeah. i say three games. So you're year. taking under six. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm also going to take under six um, as well. I think that there'll be two bottom feeders in the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. I think, you know, those teams will probably get wins over each other and, you know, scratch out a few more games. This is the NFL. But uh, looking around the NSC, I'm seeing a lot of better teams. All right, yeah, that's it for the NFC South. All right, welcome back to the Lone Star Lowdown. It's time for some diamonds and woo. Shay, big trade deadline. Uh, did, it, did it pass today, or is it coming up tomorrow? It was 6 o'clock today, man, uh, Eastern time, 5 o'clock our time. Uh, and, I mean, let's just go right into it. The big time, uh, you know, breaking news was the Padres acquiring Juan Soto from the Washington Nationals, uh, adding him to a very young, very high-powered core uh, that already consists of Manny Machado, Manny Machado, and <laughs> I thought you were serious for a second. Manny Machado about nothing. No, Manny Machado, and what's the old, what's the old other boy's name? Tatis Jr. Fernando yeah. Tatis Jr. 
So, yeah, they have three of, you know, the bright young stars in baseball over there. Great, you know, uh, a ball club committed to, you know, making moves now. They also got Josh uh, Hatter in a blockbuster trade. Hater, but it's okay. Hater, Hatter. One of the best lefty relievers in the game, if not the best. Yeah, from the Brewers and, uh, and Matt Bush. Uh, and I, thought, I thought Matt Bush went to the Brewers. Uh, the Rangers traded Matt Bush to the Brewers, unless they. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. It. You're right. Matt Bush did get sent to Milwaukee. I'm reading that wrong, um, but ultimately, yeah. So the the Brewers look to be the big time, I guess, winner. You know, uh, if you could call them that, at the trade deadline here this season. What do y'all What do y'all think about the Juan Soto trade? Um, well, it looks like the dads, the Padres, are going for it all, right? You know what I mean? What you like that? <laughs> that was kind of like a dad joke right there. It, I guess uh, could call it a dad joke. Yeah, That's exactly not what intentional. Um, <laughs> they're going for it all. I mean, they got two of the youngest, most valuable players in the entire league, um, and Tatis and Soto. Soto being 23 and Tatis being 24. So that's a young core for them to build for the future. I assume they're willing to pay him. That's why they traded for him. So they're going to be breaking the bank uh, there. Is he willing to sign there long term? You would um, think they'd have some I would think, beforehand, right? Yeah. Or I would think, like, you know, teaming up with, you know, the roster that they have. They're going all in, you know, if they're able to win um, in this season strong and um, win next year, then I think he would be willing to resign. Yeah, I mean, San Diego is such a nice place to be, man. Sunny and 74. Taxes aren't too good, but I'm sure the taxes aren't that good in D.C. either. So, And I guess when you're making $400 million, <laughs> does, it really, does it really even matter? Uh, probably matters more. Yeah, honestly. Oh, yeah, he's probably in the highest tax bracket that, you know. There, there just, can be. There's just about anybody's end. Hold on. I want to say this about the Nationals real quick. All of the players that they've let go over the past few years – Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, Max Serzer, Trey Turner, Rendon to the Angels. Like, they have really let go of some really, really good players. Obviously, they did get that World Series under their belt. Um, I mean, that yeah, that's all you can ask Did for. you mention Scherzer? I yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that, those are some very, very good players that um, are no longer, you know, in the nation's capital. Yeah, and um, Josh Bell also got sent out to the uh, to the Padres as well. Uh, he was having an All Star season for the Nationals this season as well. Really? Yeah, I missed that one. I really wanted. Okay, so that's a good transition because I really wanted. That's who I wanted the Houston Astros to target to replace. You know, the aging uh, Yuri Gurriel, and they ended up um, trading for Trey Mancini, a slugger first baseman, outfielder kind of guy um, from the Baltimore Orioles who's in a bit of a slump this year. And, you know, I was kind of disappointed at first because I was expecting um, the Astros to go for Josh Bell. There was a lot of, um, you know, rumors and connections there. And when you talk about a guy, Josh Bell, who's hitting over 300 this year, crushing the ball, that's somebody who you're going to plug and play over Yuli. And this Mancini move seems to be more of like they're probably going to be split in time. You know, I'm not sure if he's just going to come in and take the spot so that kind of disappointed me a little bit but overall they paid they certainly paid less for him than they had to pay for bell um so man an odd like move that. odd move because baltimore is hovering right around 500 right yeah. now a really big success story after you know uh, a complete rebuild that spanned the last five years finally you know i think they were like maybe three games out of the last wild card in the american league and then they you know yeah sold a guy like trey mancini and i just you know 
I guess they're just not maybe committed to winning this season, and he wasn't a he wasn't a part of the long term future. But just an interesting move on their part. But uh, to the Astros, man, I just don't think we fucking need him. Uh, I love uh, Yearly Guriel. I know he's thirty eight years old, but he did lead the league in bat. He won the batting title last year. Uh, he's a great playoff hitter. He's uh, you know part of the heart and soul of this team. He played most of his career in Cuba. Uh, he otherwise he'd be a Hall of Fame caliber player here at, at the end of his career, uh, but I think he uh, he is the guy I want in the lineup come playoff time, and maybe this Trey Mancini guy can fit into the outfield. I know we did deal Jose Siri, um, or maybe he can find his way into DH, especially with Michael Brantley being hurt. But ultimately, not very impressed with the move, and um, I don't know if you've got a take on the Trey Mancini thing, Ty, or not. Uh yeah, I mean, I I you gotta imagine that Baltimore has a up and coming. Mancini's a first baseman, right? Uh, outfield first base. DH is a lot for him as well. Okay, well, but I mean, I I don't know anything about the situation, but I'd, I'd assume that'd be the case if they're trading him as a. I think they were fifty one and fifty one at this point. Uh, uh, right around five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, another addition, uh, Houston uh, acquired catcher Christian Vasquez from the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and this, again, it's like Martin Maldonado is our catcher. It's like, is he actually better than, you know, our already, the guy we already have on our roster kind and, of thing? And, you know, all the pundits, all, everything I read about it was, oh, well, they, they brought him in because Martin Maldonado is struggling hitting the ball. He's batting like 173. He's never been able to hit. Though. And it's like, dude, like – Fuck no, we don't want him ever hitting the ball. The only reason he's out there is to is to for defense. One it, of the best in the game. Yeah, framing pitches and throwing guys out at second. He's he's one of the best uh, fielding catchers in baseball. And you know, I think this Christian Vasquez guy is more coming in because uh, Jason Castro is injured. And we probably need a backup catcher just to lighten the load of Martin Maldonado going into the playoffs. But, I mean, I would love to have just uh, a quality everyday catcher that could hit the ball. But that's just not what we have, and that is not what we're going with. Yeah, Vasquez is certainly a better hitter than Maldonado. But, you know, when it comes down to those playoff games, are we really going to see him in there over Martin, you know? That stability that we've had throughout this run. Exactly. Maybe in a pinch hit late in the game, but I, I doubt he starts any playoff games unless there's unless he just catches, you know, one pitcher like unless he has really good chemistry with one of our pitchers. Um I noticed they did also um bounce uh I believe it was Jake Odorizzi. Their Astros traded him to the Atlanta Braves. I'm not sure what we got in return. We got, we got Will. I'm not sure if this was. There was a lot of. You know how baseball is. There's a lot of trades going on. But we did pick back up uh, former Astro Will Smith is back in the bullpen now. Already a great bullpen that the Astros have this year. One of the best in the league. When you talk about guys like Stanek and uh, um, what's his name? I don't want to say black guy, but the black. Hector Neris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just playing lights out this year. So. You know, add another bullpen arm. I get what they're trying to do. They didn't make the splash move that I was hoping for um, with, you know, a switch-hitting first baseman like Josh Bell. But they did what the Astros do. They're not gonna. They're not too into trading their big assets. They rely heavily on their farm system, which has not failed them, you know, throughout this run. So I guess they've earned the trust of the fan base at this point. Yeah, and, I mean, they're still sitting pretty in the division. Uh, 
The uh, Mariners, on the other hand, who, uh, you know, they're in the AL West. They made a big move in landing uh, Luis Castillo from the Reds. He was probably the best starting pitcher on the market. Um, they had to give up a little bit of their farm to get him. But they, and they also got Carlos Santana. Do these moves by the Mariners uh, intrigue you? Do you think that um, there's any chance to catch the Astros? Do you think it's just, or it's just uh, insurance for the playoff run and the wild card push? To me, Carlos Santana's pretty washed. Um, he's not what he was um, for the Indians or the Guardians um, earlier in his career. Uh I mean, I, I would be curious to see the Astros' record against the Mariners this year. I know I bet on them a few times, and they absolutely crush them um, just about every time they play them. The Mariners had a run there where they were won, I think, 11 in a row, and they still couldn't close the gap uh, on the lead that the Astros had on them. So I don't think they're too big of a threat. I think the biggest threat to the Astros, like it is most years, is going to be the New York Yankees. So I think there's those two teams are on a collision course in the playoffs, and We'll see how that plays out, you know, as October rolls around. And, uh, yeah, that brings us to our next big, uh, you know, acquirer here at the deadline, the New York Yankees, who got all-star Andrew Benatendi from the Royals. Um, they also acquired uh, right-hand starting pitcher Frankie Montas from the A's and um, Scott Efres from the Cubs. Um, you know, so uh, loading up there for the playoff push as well, getting a new bat and some new pitchers in the rotation. Um, you know, uh, going forward, do you th- who do you think captures that number one seed? Who, who do you think who do you think added enough uh, to to make the final push? Let's pull up the let's pull up the standings right now. For sure, last I saw it was within a couple games of itself. But um, you know, uh, th- it was two it, it was two really good teams at the top, and you know everybody else for me it's got to be the yankees uh, i feel like they added a little bit more at the deadline and the way aaron judge is playing right now i think he's had 10 homers in his last 11 i mean games. he's going for he's going for 65 plus at this point and he's on pace for breaking the yankees record of roger maris 62 that'd be a pretty big deal if he did that yeah um i mean and that's with no bias uh even though i don't like the astros very very much but uh I don't know. I th- I think the Astros flame out. Uh, l- did they get any of the targets that y'all were saying last week, or that y'all wanted? No, they didn't. They didn't uh, get Castillo, who I would have liked them to get, or Josh Bell. Uh, but ultimately, I didn't think those were A plus targets in the first place, and I'm glad we didn't give up too much. I think we have most of our core from last year, and if not an improved version of, uh, to make El another. Correa. Oh yeah, no Correa. I mean, uh, but uh, well, we have Jeremy Pena, JP three. Yeah, he he's he's filled in quite well, and I mean Carlos Correa. Yeah, big name. Uh, again, you got that heart and soul aspect, but like come playoff time, and I know he had his clutch moments, but a, there were a lot of uh, swinging strikeouts. And you know, um, not perf- not coming through. He obviously he added a lot defensively, but um, I can remember more than once him not being effective at the play. I mean, Dusty had him hitting in the seven hole. Exactly. Doing that. I mean, so that should tell you right there about the way. So I got the standings right here. The Astros are three games back of the Yankees um, for that number one seed. They those two teams are running away with the AL. They'll be the top two seeds uh, more than likely. So yeah, we have. Be, it'll be interesting come playoff time for sure. Yeah, I ultimately see us meeting back up with them in the NLCS, and uh, we'll see how it goes. 
Um, it's uh, always always entertaining baseball and uh, the playoffs. So, you know, we'll keep you all abreast here as uh, baseball winds down. Uh, you know, the home run race, Aaron Judge, uh, division winners, uh, the wild card, all those good things here on Diamonds and Wood. Um, but that'll just about do it for our trade deadline recap and, uh, and this week's segment. Um, we're going to wrap that up and uh, move on to the uh, fastest lap. We're back with the Lone Star Lowdown. We've got a little bit of sad news to bring y'all. Just during this broadcast, the iconic broadcaster, Vin Scully, has passed away at age 94. Quick RIP for Vin Scully, for the longtime Brooklyn Dodgers broadcaster in both Brooklyn and L.A. Um, uh, You know, it's been a tough week. Also, Bill Russell. I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to say that. We just we just mounted my uh, TV in my new house, and it was broken when we turned it on. It was a big letdown. That was that was a, an equally as big letdown as both Vin Scully and the Bill Russell news. Yeah, we won't see Bill Russell uh, when the NBA championship is handed out every year. Now he's usually on stage. That's really the one one or two times we see him a year. Oh yeah, still a face in the sport. Uh, I don't want to get too bogged down on it. It was just some some sad news. Uh, we didn't have a basketball segment, so the fact that Vince Kelly also died, uh, you know, we had to go to we had to go ahead and bring that up. Uh, following our baseball segment, Diamonds and Wood, uh, we're transitioning now uh, onto um, uh, happier things. We're going to talk. Uh, Moving on to the 40-acre dash, this week in Longhorn News, we're talking uh, the defensive line position group breakdown for the Texas Longhorn football team. Uh, You know, uh, didn't really lose a lot from last year. Uh, You know, Myron Warren, Jordan Thomas, a couple guys transferred out. Um, But, you know, we're bringing back Keandre Coburn, Moro Ojimo, uh, you know, our two main guys up front in Kwiatkowski's two four five system. Uh what what do you what do you think about this defensive line coming into this season, man? Um, I'm I'm really I'm really hoping to see big things from Alfred Collins. He's uh when I'm looking at the depth chart, he's the name that's that's really popped off uh to me this summer. I mean, obviously he had big expectations going into last year after that incredible interception he had in the Colorado game, and he had a pretty good year for a freshman defensive lineman. Uh, but I, I'm really looking to see him take that next step and be that first-round talent, that like NFL talent that people thought um, a few years ago when he was a freshman and coming out of high school out of the Bastrop area. Um, but past him, uh, Ovi Oguafu, how do you say his last name? I thought it was Avi Agofu. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got it right. Um, it's it's late. It's late, Che. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 hearing good things coming out of camp from him. Uh, coming off the edge because there was absolutely no edge presence last year. 
Uh, the leading tackler is Ben Davis, who played a middle linebacker. Um, but him and Collins coming off the edge, I mean, Collins, he's a bigger guy. So, I mean, not expecting a huge sack total from him. But if he could get four and a half, five sacks, that would be a game changer for this defense. And uh, some some young guys, uh, Justice Finley coming off the edge, a freshman, uh, and Byron Sorrell, who had some flashes last year as a freshman or redshirt freshman, whatever. I'm not sure. He's, a, he's a sophomore coming in this year. Uh, I believe he was a freshman year, last okay. year. Okay. Um, and Ber- Vernon Broughton, who's a guy who has had high expectations coming out of the high school as well, uh, see if he can make an impact going into his redshirt sophomore year. Yeah, I mean, we're going to need to be, I think, too deep on uh, on the defensive line. Uh, you know, it's I think we just need to talk a little bit about uh, about the two four five because we're you know, um, is it a two four five? It's a three two five. No, nah, it's a two four five, man. That's the system Kwiatkowski runs. Um, I mean, the way it in practice, you know, the, the in theory, it's a two four five. Like the the two, the, there's a nose and a defensive tackle. But there's the, always the jack and the buck, the active defensive end, outside linebacker shit. Like the way that his the way that his front six operates with the five defensive backs. Um, is essentially, yeah, two big, you know, defensive tackle-like motherfuckers, two guys trying, you know, basically playing uh, a 3-4 linebacker as a defensive end on either side, and then two middle linebackers. It's basically that, you know, in in theory how this system works. And I think that, you know, in, uh, in the Pac-12, it, it really worked for Kwiatkowski. But I think that's been one of the problems uh last season was finding guys to play uh that edge edge contain you know very a very versatile athlete needed on the edge of that defense that we just really didn't have um somebody who can contain the outside running game and put pressure on the quarterback because um, we didn't really have problems uh against the run up the middle it was it was yeah, breaking yeah. containment outside so who, who's that guy for you this year I mean, I don't. One of these young kids. Well, I mean, like, yeah, it's the Alfred Collins Ovia Gofu character. I mean, one of those dudes is going to have to step up and and and. Collins really isn't that edge rusher kind of guy when I when I think of him or look at him. Well, exactly. I mean, basically, the real problem is we've got a lot of these old motherfuckers aging out of the system, and even though they're returning, we're we're relying more on experience because I believe our starting defensive line, if you want to call it that. Between all of them, there's a, I, I read 130 uh, starts between them, which is a lot of experience, but it hadn't equaled to much. I mean, again, we can talk about how nobody got more than, what, two and a half sacks last season? Or, you know, uh, uh, so, so almost zero pressure on the quarterback. Uh, and, and, yeah, these, these guys aren't people that Kwiatkowski recruited. He's, he's still trying to fit. Uh, square, you know, uh, round pegs and square posts, kind of shit. You know, like it's, it's, it's not the, the athletes that we want. Now we've got a lot of players coming in uh, from both last year and this coming recruiting class that I think will age into the system. And if Kwiatkowski is given the time, I think might make it work. But ultimately, right now for the system we're trying to implement, I don't feel like we have the athletes. Uh, uh, not, not, not saying that our defensive line is. Uh, devoid of athleticism, but I don't think we have the right athletes to play 
in the two four five. Well, this is Kwiatkowski's first true class as being the defense coordinator, correct? The first one he's recruiting, yes. Yeah. Last year would have even been a salvage class yeah, at no, best. Yeah, like first full year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I expect major – I mean, not major – yeah, I mean, I expect major changes to happen this year. I did, it was one of the worst defenses in the nation last year. Um, giving up how many points to give up the Kansas in that game? Was that 56 points? Something right about there, yeah. I mean, that is an excuse, inexcusable. Um, if – if if we are four games into the year and we and any kind of performance like that is had, you know, we're we're getting sixty hung on us. I expect him to be fired probably, wouldn't you? Mid season. Oh, totally. Mid season. And I and I, I the thing about it is, I feel like he's already been set up to just get shit canned as soon as we can, like just and to basically save save Sarkeesian's ass. Because like, do we really think a two four five is going to work in the SEC? Like, this is a fucking defense designed to stop Pac-12 offenses, okay? That's what this is. This, you know, and, and the Big 12, I mean, you know, that might have worked in the Big 12 of old, but the Big 12 is leaning more towards, uh, like, almost, uh, like, look, like, look at Oklahoma State's offense, uh, uh, obviously Oklahoma, the, the air raid is the air raid that took over the Big Twelve, you know, five years ago is on its way out. I even, feel even like even Tech doesn't really even run the air raid anymore. Exactly, and I mean they were the they were the flagship program, you know, the Mike Leach days and and onward of um, of really pushing that, and we saw just about everybody dip their toe in the uh, you know spread offense or the you know the um, the not just the spread offense, but the five wide, four wide spread offense, air raid scheme, and uh, ultimately, people uh, teams have regressed from that because we've seen when any Big Twelve or Pac twelve team, for that matter, gets to the playoff, they get absolutely handled by the SEC school they get put up against, or the Big Ten school they get put up against. No, yeah, I I agree. Like, what? Who did Alabama play? This year, or the year before, from the Pac-12, uh, they usually they've yeah. they've beaten Washington. Quick, they've beat you know Pete Kukowski. Kukowski, yeah. uh at least once. Um, they've uh, others uh, Oklahoma. They've handled a couple times now. Uh, they've obviously played Cincinnati this last year. I might be forgetting one school in the mix there, but man, I'm I'm excited for that game though, just to see where we're at going. Uh, it's going to be a real. A gut check that day, you know. Well, for sure, and it's like you know, I don't. This is college football. Like, I know that uh, you know, in the NFL, it really is any given Sunday. Anybody can beat anybody. But I mean, like, it's the same in college football. I mean, there are still these big time upsets, and I don't think it's like the craziest thing in the world to think Texas has a chance in that game. I'm not sitting here saying they're going to beat Alabama. I'm just sitting here saying that if they did, it it wouldn't sh- it, I don't I don't feel like it would shock me. Like it wouldn't be like Appalachian State beating Michigan or anything like that. You know no, what I mean? No. And like Alabama tends to lose a game every year. Uh I mean, they lost a I don't believe uh they've they've only had I think two of their national titles have been perfect seasons. That was a couple of years ago, with uh, when they won with Mac Jones, I believe that was a perfect season. And then the other one was when they beat the Longhorns in 2009. Every other year, even the years they've won the national title, uh, you know, 
whatever that was, uh, they've had at least one loss on their record. And um, so, you know, it's it, to think that they're going to win all the thing, you know, I, I'd imagine them early favorites for a national championship this year, them and probably Georgia. But to think that they're going to win all their games is, is you know, just uh, it, it's certainly plausible, but it's not how it it's not how it almost ever goes. You're, you're a big uh, champion has to be perfect guy, right? Yeah, I don't honestly um, if, if we're going to win a national championship uh, and we're not going to be perfect, I almost don't even want it. Like I'd rather t- t- sit there and uh, for, get for, that get that memorabilia ball and have a loss. Yeah, like that's just bullshit, and that's why I'm a big proponent against uh, expansion of the college football playoff because ultimately I think it will not only create more games, more opportunities for losses, but allow teams with more losses into the running for the national championship. What Eventually, if, we're going to have a three-loss national what champion. A, what about the teams? What about the teams that are undefeated that are the the non-Power 5 schools? Do you think any of those teams, if there was an expanded playoff, could? Would you accept one of those teams as a champion if they had to win three or four games in the playoffs to be crowned the champion and remain undefeated? Oh, well, I mean, I respect uh, Boise State and Texas Christian, uh, you know, 2013, whenever that was, when they went undefeated and didn't get to play in a national championship. I think those schools should hang banners. I mean, like, uh, just like in Texas high school football, how many state champions are there every year? Fucking 20? Yeah. 20. And I and they just don't all play each other, but they still celebrate a, a state championship. We'll talk about it with their grandchildren, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, shout next... out, hey, Dan Campbell's newest edition just came out. Yeah, I actually heard that it was a bit, uh, it was hard to get in stores because of some sort of a shipping. Well, we got a copy right here. Some sort of manufacturing um, you need, you need mess up. Uh, I might take a look at it later. Uh, you know, R.I.P. Dan Campbell. Uh, I think he passed away just this last year. They definitely honored him at the state championship games. Either way, back to national championships, and eventually we'll get back to Texas defensive line. Uh, yeah, no, I don't believe if you have a loss on your record, you are a true national champion, and you certainly can't sit there and talk about the true national champions there have been in the same breath as your joke-ass program that lost a game and just happened to be the last man standing because college football needs to crown somebody. This isn't college basketball or college baseball, okay? It's not like there's ever been a fucking undefeated baseball champion. I think the last basketball school was Indiana in 1976. Uh, football programs, yes. I don't even believe they should. I think I think once the last undefeated team loses, they should just quit playing. Like what? And and but on the same on the, on like the, the other side I of mean, that that's sword, kind of pessimistic. On the other side of that same sword, every single until you lose. Every single game is the national championship. So, so what, what about all those national champions back in the day where they'd had like two or three losses? Fuck them. Newspaper would just crown them champions. Uh, Texas Longhorns won, uh, you know, cr- uh, declared national champions and then lost, lost to Notre game. Dame. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't count that. We got three, you know, I, I mean, we might have been, you know, we might have been rewarded the AP bullshit, whatever. We weren't undefeated that year. I think we had won it the year prior. Uh, in 68 but yeah in 69 or whatever it was yeah i don't i don't look at that as a real national championship the fact that we were the we were who the the national championship is all it is is whatever media source declares like they're like like they're every year there are like eight different national champions based on different polls so what is the college football committee to you pretty much the same thing well it's just a it's just a the best 
effort at trying to ultimately have just one team that's undefeated at the end of the year. Like the ideal is that there are four teams from four power conferences that go in undefeated and play each other to one team that, you know, then has two really good wins at the end of the season and can truly call themselves a national champion. Yeah, but in, in this current format, there's always going to be two SEC teams. So you gotta, you pretty much have to get to lock that in before every year starts. Well, I mean, like, let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about, like, first off, the first year that the system broke, or at least, you know, recently, was when Alabama had to play LSU again in the national championship. When LSU had already beat them, it was just a dog shit game, and it was that both 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 games were dog shit, honestly. Uh, and you know LSU won a, a gritty game, uh, you know play them every year, won like a like a nine six, and then ultimately at the end of the year they just made them play again for the national championship when Alabama didn't deserve to be in that game. They had already lost to them. How can you sit there and tell me that that's good for college football having the same having the same two teams play again? In the same year, and they're gonna play next year, and they're gonna play the year after that. How is that fucking good? No, this it'd be like Texas and Oklahoma. Like fuck the fact that Texas and Oklahoma ever had to play in a Big Twelve championship or would ever play twice in the same year. That the idea is redundant and stupid. Yeah, that year that Texas played Oklahoma in the Big Twelve championship, it took really took the air out of that win in the Red River rivalry game at the Cotton Bowl when we lost to them in Jerry World. No. Exactly, and like the thing about it is Texas. I mean, we had to get to the SEC because under the current format, it doesn't matter. Texas is never going to the college football playoff unless they beat Oklahoma twice, because they are never. There's, there's never going to be a year where Texas makes it to the fucking Big Twelve championship and Oklahoma isn't already there. It's just not going to happen. I mean, we're going to have to beat them twice. If we ever want to make it to the it, well, now we're going well, to SEC. Who, did, did Oklahoma didn't make it last year, did they? Well, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying there's never going to be a time where Texas makes it to the Big Twelve championship and Oklahoma isn't there waiting for them. Well, we have one more year probably to figure out. If that's yeah, we'll see. That's the case. It's a bit of a digression, but yeah, ultimately this last season, Alabama having to play Georgia again, it's like at, at I'm a tired. Of, I'm not happy about us joining the SEC. It's just. Uh, I know I'll probably end up enjoying it a few years in, but the whole transition feels weird to me, and I I don't get as much enjoyment out of watching the SEC football as most fans do. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly got all of the talent. All the talent's really there, and um, if you like, you know, up front I play. I we'll like winning. And running the ball, and yeah. It's like, a place to be, but. But but ultimately, I mean, every it's it's not it's not it's not that much better. Like the SEC schools, most of them usually suck. Like there's a there's there's a handful there's a there's a there's a higher percentage of good schools. No, there's usually. like three good teams every year. But it's not like there aren't just a plethora of shitty teams. Like the Mississippi schools, uh, you know, uh, they had what each one good year, and it was the same year. Uh, in the last decade, <laughs> Auburn, you know, Auburn's a 50-50. They can have a decent squad. Yeah, every year. Every uh, year. Tennessee sucks now. Tennessee, t- Tennessee's been in like a resurgence, but has, been a, has had a really bad two decades. Kentucky, been a terrible team. Yeah, back recently but, a little eh, bit. Yeah, a little bit, but again. Florida's been down. 
Florida's been down. Georgia's South. been down. Georgia's only just now. Well, uh, I'm talking. We're talking now, right now. Well, yeah, yeah. Georgia just now has ascended to the point where, like, oh, we're talking about Georgia again. Yeah, and I'm still not even really talking about them going in this year. South Carolina, down. ever, ever since. Yeah, they they had like a blip. Of a of a moment yeah. there with Marcus Lattimore and Colin Shaw, uh, Rodriguez at quarterback. Right? Uh, I thought it was Shaw, but There's the bald guy, that bald Connor guy. Shaw, yeah. But anyway, again, like they're they've down. Obviously, Vander Vanderbilt's never been good at football that I can uh, ever remember. Jake Colliers or or Geese. Yeah, but just uh, it's but yeah, I get you. Arkansas has been down. They finally look like they might be doing something. LSU. LSU has been LSU's you gotta say is one of the good programs. They've been putting players into the league and they're I always put LSU number two in that conference. Right, like just still standing right now. I'd put it Alabama, LSU, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean as I far mean, Georgia's, as Georgia's I mean if we're talking about a school as a whole, there's no way in hell Georgia's number one out of all those three, but um like academ- probably definitely academically, but LSU football program Strictly um, has been in the past five years. I feel like more dominant than Georgia, even though records might not reflect that. Yeah, well, ultimately, I just I just sit there and I look at the conference, and um, I I'm not seeing. You know, it's it's the the whole is larger than the sum of its parts. You know, it reflects larger. And I think it's because of the athletes coming out. Like, yes, if you look at NFL talent, yes, there's way more throughout the entire SEC than if you looked at the any other conference. But. Hello, hello. I said my, my shit's pretty low. Um, but I'll just edit it post. But let's let's wrap this up uh, pretty soon. We're twenty minutes in, and okay, we I'll just do the golf by myself. All right, we'll just finish this, and then you know, yeah. All right, all right, ready? Yeah, I, I don't know. Do you know what you're saying? Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I believe that the SEC as a whole is greater than its individual parts. Back to the Longhorns, man. I just don't know if this two four five is gonna work out when we get to the SEC. <laughs> I think it'll be the first thing to get fucking burned at the stake. <laughs> that was a lot in between us talking about the two four three or whatever. Well, I mean, ultimately it had to be it had it had you know it had to be discussed. Uh, so yeah, um, and I mean, hey, how do you win in the SEC? Everybody says it's up front football, man. Both sides of the ball, baby. Nah, well, anyway, uh, I guess we're gonna roll on into sleepers and keepers real quick. Uh, yeah, let's get it before we uh, get on out of here. Um, this week we're doing uh, quarterbacks, and uh, you know we were gonna do kickers, but. Let's just let's just lay it down. If you're taking a kicker in any round, but the absolute last one of your fantasy football draft, you need to really do some damn thinking <laughs> on your strategy. And uh, there's no there's no instance where it's ever worth wasting a draft pick any anywhere later than the absolute last round on a kicker. It just isn't. Uh, you can you can do the math on it. There's never going to be a kicker. I'd rather uh, take an IR guy in the last round than a kicker. If I'm in a draft that like if you're not in like a like an automatic fucking, if you're in like a real draft, like with people making their picks, not on a computer, uh, you don't have to take a kicker in most instances. Like you can just not take one. 
And if that's an option, that's what I do. I'll just take one more running back, one more wide receiver. Because the kickers, they're always going to be available. Like, unless you're in some weird fucking three-kicker start league, like, there's always going to be an available kicker so to that, get you seven that's points. That's your sleeper and keeper's uh, kicker advice right there. Exactly. I, I agree with you. Uh, there are some – my best advice, uh, match your kicker to your quarterback if you can. Like, it, it's just it's just one more point on every touchdown he throws. It's just, you know, ideally the quarterback you have, it's more about the offense anyway. It's the whole notion that, like, they're going to be getting into the red zone more often, more scoring opportunities. Match your kicker with your quarterback. That's a good strategy. Uh, I've never thought opinion. about that before. That's, I'm, I'm, thanks for giving me a tip. Oh, for sure. That's what sleepers and keepers are here for. Uh, you got you got anything on kickers before we get to quarterbacks? Uh. I mean, yeah, I, I I don't usually take a kicker till like you said till the uh, the last round. If I do, uh, I I mean, uh, I do love to see that. There's usually you know who it is in our league who takes Justin Tucker in like the sixth round. Um, thinks thinks it's a just a lockdown pick, just getting some points. Um, but that is the one guy I I could see going earlier than the last round. Um, anyone else that you saw last year that was like a predominant kicker? No, and I mean, I I, I do actually play in like at least one league where the, there are field goals that are worth more than three points. I think like a 50-yarder is worth five and one I'm in. I think that shit's stupid as well. Um, but uh, I do think Justin Tucker in that Ravens offense, especially because I feel like they have a hard time putting the ball in the end zone uh, without too many legitimate receiving threats. Um I do. I think that offense lends itself to to his kicking ability, especially because he's the most accurate kicker of all time. Um, all right. So yeah, moving on to quarterbacks. My keeper pick for y'all is Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, you're not going to hear him at the top of any drafts. He's not Brady, uh, Rogers, Mahomes, but he had a great year last year. And normally he would be my sleeper. Like for years, I feasted upon Matthew Stafford on the Lions because he was just always throwing the shit out of the ball. And, you know, for 5,000 yards plus and very consistent, always playing, playing through injuries, just a great, you know, greedy guy. Now he's, in, you know, uh, out in Hollywood, they just won a Super Bowl. His stock will be a little bit up, so you won't be able to get him quite as low as maybe I'm used to getting him. But I still think he's a uh, top-line starting quarterback. Um, I'd say a Tier 2 guy just behind your uh, your Mahomes and your Rodgerses. Um, but, yeah, Stafford's going to have another great season. They added in uh, – what's the guy from uh, Chicago? What's his name? What? The receiver that the Rams got out uh, from oh, Chicago, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. Yeah, he's going to finally have a good quarterback replacing, you know, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup. Look for him to have another great season. Uh, I think the Rams will have, a, you know, very product, be very productive on offense. That and, pisses me off too. And they're going to be good again. And yeah, I hate the Rams. Uh, you know, they're not my favorite team. Just the uh, teams that don't have a fan base, you know. Yeah, it, it it is hard for the NFL uh, to, to have a really successful team that we're in a city where the Raiders are still the most popular team. Um, anyway, uh, my sleeper is Deshaun Watson. And, you know, it came out this week that he's going to get a six-game ban. They're going to probably appeal that. We don't know what it'll end up looking like. He's probably not going to start his first game. But, look, the Browns, they're set up to win. 
They've just added Amari Cooper. They've still got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, you know, they're going to have a dynamic offense that he's going to step into. Remember Deshaun Watson, uh, I mean, he looked great with the Texans. He had an incredible year two years ago uh, before all this, before all the shit hit the fan. Uh, and I think you could probably get him in the late couple round, late last couple rounds of your draft. If not, he might even go undrafted in some leagues. I think he's a great uh, second or third quarterback option, especially in leagues with expanded rosters. Uh, I think you can get him at a bargain, and I think come you know playoff time when he's hitting his stride and the Browns are making that push in the AFC North, he'll be a very very attractive quarterback to have. Ty? I like it. I like it a lot. Um, for keepers, I got Justin Herbert. Uh, I mean, put up great numbers last year for such a young kid. Uh, this charges offense. It, it looks like it's adding some firepower with uh, Spiller at the running back position out of A&M. Uh, once again this week, uh, we talked about him a little bit last week, but uh, great things I've been hearing out of Chargers camp from him. He's been taking a lot of first-team reps. Uh, I see him, you know, that that offense was so pass-centric last year, even with Eckler uh, starting at running back being used as, you know, with half and half. He's a pass catcher for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's his, that's his main. It's his value. Uh, yeah. Uh, beyond a, Even beyond a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. Uh, but having Spiller there to kind of open up the offense beyond Eckler because, uh, you know. Eckler's not an every down back. Yeah, man. and they didn't have – Justin Jackson's gone. He was there last year, and he was kind of a bottom barrel uh, second guy on the in the running back room. Uh, but Keenan Allen coming back, always reliable target. Uh, Mike Williams from Clemson uh, tore it up last year, really had a coming out party. Uh in in the late late season, had multiple touchdown games, so I expect big things out of Herbert. Uh, my sleeper is Matt Ryan going to the Colts. Uh, I mean, Corey said it earlier in the show. Uh, people really sleep on how how good Matt Ryan really is, and <coughs> excuse me, uh, how good Matt Ryan really is, and um, he's been putting up numbers on on the. Uh, abysmal falcon teams all these years and really just stopping them from getting good draft really good draft picks they've been stuck in the seven eight nine ten pick not uh, unable to get a top three guy in each draft uh actually no they got kyle pitts years ago number three didn't they uh <laughs> it might have been like five i don't know if it was quite that high as three right, it was yeah. a very high pick to take a tight end no matter what uh and it was surprising when they moved on from him i know he was getting older but there are still much older quarterbacks in the league playing, um, but yeah, uh, they 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 haven't been great. But you're right about him keeping them from absolutely bottoming bottoming out and uh, winning a few games on his own accord each year. Yeah, and uh, so I expect him to step into that Colts offense uh, pretty seamlessly as a uh, veteran, a little bit better than we saw from an aging Philip Rivers a few years ago. Um, and he, if you're in a two quarterback lead uh, league, I think he's a great QB two. Um, could give you s at least 23 to 26 points, depending on how your league is scored, of course, uh, per week. Uh, but yeah, that that's it for me. 
Well, yeah, I really like Justin Herbert, man. I think he'll, uh, you know, continue to take steps forward in that Chargers offense. Look, for, look to him to put up a lot of points. Thought about him as my keeper myself. Uh, and I love uh, the Matt Ryan pick, man. I uh, really am a big fan of uh, Pittman out there. I think with a great running back like Jonathan Taylor, it'll help crush that offense. And I think Matt Ryan will be able to uh, distribute the ball when needed and get some passing touchdowns and add a whole new dynamic to that offense that they didn't have last year with Carson Wentz and haven't had maybe since Andrew Luck. Um, so I like both the picks, man. All right, yeah, cool. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this show. Uh, make sure to follow our Instagram at the at the Lone Star Lowdown now, uh, our Twitter at Lone Star LD. And check out all of our video content on YouTube. Uh, we're really trying to grow, guys, so we appreciate all the likes and follows out there. I'm Ty Henderson. This is Shea Holt. And Corey Gidry is... Did I say that right? He's going to get pissed. Gidry. <laughs> hey, Ross. Sauce this. it up. I'm afraid of being average. All right. And I'm battling it every day. I'm stuck in a loop. Round and we go. Everybody say Something about the way that you move